you want to ask some questions about iDrum, right? iDrum and just your, your position and role also. Okay, um, sure. I'm, Fire I, away. I'm an art history major, so... At University of Georgia. That's right. right. And I um, you go to grad school for nonprofit organizations to study nonprofit organization development and management. So mm -hmm. oh, okay. um, I just have some questions about your role and your leadership position. Okay. Executive director, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, if you could just tell me something about your, your educational background and start with that. Um, I went to undergraduate school uh, in philosophy and in humanistic psychology. And I went to school at, uh, I don't know if, are you familiar with what humanistic psychology is? Uh, a bit. Yeah, you know, uh, Carl Rogers and, and those people and had a sort of philosophical, phenomenological element to it. And when I was uh, going to school, actually I went to Georgia Tech my freshman year. Uh -huh. I thought I had, I wanted to be a physicist. Right. As it turns out, they dissuaded me of that fairly quickly after the first year. So at that time, the Vietnam War was, you know, going pretty heavy. So I didn't, uh, I didn't want to go to a school that had any ROTC program. I didn't want to have anything to do with military. And um, West Georgia College was the, uh, as it was then, now it's called a university, uh, was one of three schools in the United States that had a humanistic psychology program. So uh, I went there and got a double major in philosophy and in humanistic psychology, then went to the University of Georgia uh, in graduate school, first in philosophy, and then I got fed up with that, and I went into anthropology, and then I got fed up with that, and uh, I was sort of doing art stuff and music stuff all along. And uh, as they used to have the phrase in the 70s, I became art damaged. <laughs> and uh, got more interested in doing, uh, you know, uh, what you might call uh, furniture, fine art furniture or uh, functional sculpture, I guess, Wendell Castle and those sorts of people. And I tried to stay as far away as possible from philosophy and then got more involved in uh, music with, uh, at that time the Rex station was, was taking off and I, and I loved that and uh, free jazz and the whole jazz movement at the time and industrial music and I was in a band called Tinnitus, uh, an industrial band mm -hmm. and we played in all the Destroyer music festivals and played around town and uh, then I just sort of dropped out for a while of that, right. dropped out of dropping out <laughs> and did construction work for, um, and worked in a factory for Altogether, it was probably about 10 years or so. And then uh, I got a divorce after I had built a house and um, uh, sort of went through another process of dropping out <laughs> uh, of the scene, such as it was then. And then I got involved, uh, and I was playing music a little bit, and I was involved with a group called Railroad Earth over by Emory Village. And then uh, I went to a, a party at the Silver Ceiling over on Trinity, which later became iDrum, mm -hmm. and Woody Cornwell came up to me at a, at a, I remember it was a Ballroom Studios, which is no longer in existence, and said they were doing an improv night, so I started hanging out there, and I'd lost all my friends, you know, through the divorce, and so became an, uh, an iDrum, well, uh, uh, just a regular at the space, it really wasn't quite iDrum yet, it wasn't a non-profit and then started hanging out more around 1999 and um, was involved with the formation of the nonprofit. A public domain, Inc. at that time was a nonprofit and it was, it had, it had sponsored various 
experimental music festivals like the uh, Destroy All Music Festival. And so Public Domain acted as a financial agent for IDROM when they were having auctions in order to raise money to become a 501c3. Okay. So there in a nutshell is okay. Okay. how it evolved. Okay. Right. And okay. how I came to be have some uh, involvement with it, yeah. Okay. Well, how did your your knowledge of nonprofits develop also? Because I'm interested in that as well and uh, how you successfully run it. Well, you know, we don't run it on a business model. I think most people right. on the board will tell you there are 20 people on the board. Right. Um, in fact, we've when when we first were considering whether we wanted IDRAM to be uh, a, a for-profit organization or a non-for-profit organization, we had a lot of discussions with the then board members, and, and most of those aren't with the board anymore. Um, sort of a new set, but. Um, I don't know if they were wise and I was crazy or what. <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, but my point about doing it for a nonprofit is, is that there's it's a very community-based organization even then, and uh, I always thought that there would be more trust in iDrum if it was a not-for-profit organization, and it, you know it sets up a different kind of vibe, more of an educational because we incorporate on the educational aspect of, as a 501c3. And there, there are other kinds of nonprofits. So we, all of us, you know, kind of did some figuring about what, you know, what was necessary. We came up with the nonprofit and um, and did a little bit of learning ourselves about uh, nonprofits. Um, and uh, you know, we're not. I guess artists are never very good business people. That's one of their downfallings, and one of the precious things about artists is that that's never. A, a, a terrible concern to their detriment and to their benefit, you know. Mm -hmm. And the same is sort of the, the case with iDrum. We've never had a lot of money. It's always been a month-to-month -month proposition, even though we, we do get grants, you know, from small grants enough to keep the doors open, mm -hmm. basically. But we're funded by all the patrons that come in the door, basically. Um, so I don't know exactly how else to proceed. I mean, you know, the. Uh, we just take it for granted that it's a non-profit and we've got so many people that have expertise that have previously been on the board and that are still on the board, so, um, you know. Right. Do you all have full-time staff? Is right? No, we don't have full-time staff. Oh, we don't have right. paid staff at all, right. which from the point of view of uh, funders seems to be a problem, you know. I mean, we're, we're the one of the most solvent organizations in town and that we have no debts. Um, but at the same time, a lot of funders won't give you money if you don't have a paid staff. I think they think you're less serious, you're more fly-by-wire, you know, fly-by-night kinds of organizations. But, um, you know, our programming has always taken precedence over uh, having a paid staff, I guess. And uh, all most of the other board members... Um, have pretty, you know, steady jobs as designers or teachers or, you know, uh, whatnot. And I, you know, I go in and out of construction work. A lot of people have sort of more episodic sort of relationship to work. I'm, I'm no fan of work I, or jobs. I don't mind work, but I'm a fan of jobs per, per se. You know, uh, and we've always thought of iDrum as a flattened hierarchy. I guess you'd say, you know, we, when we became a nonprofit, they required that you have, you know, a certain kind of structure. Uh, to meet a sort of business model, even though 
you know, right. nonprofits is not very business oriented, but still you got to have the board, you got to have the chairman of the board, you have the executive director, you got to have a mission statement and bylaws and things like that, which we all went through and you know kind of uh, made that happen. But we still have uh, doggedly maintained a certain institutional model, which is anti-institutional in a way, mm-hmm. in that we've. We do have committees. We've got a build-out committee. We've got a development committee, art committee, um, music committee, and we're just restarting a literary committee. But anybody on the board can be on any of the committees. There's a core. Usually there's a point person for each committee. Um, and uh, the the art committee, for example, meets every month. Uh, Susan Sipsick heads that. The music committee usually doesn't meet because the music people are here all the time. We've got three or four um, people who work sound, and uh, so they're always talking about what the sound aspects need, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So there are certain kinds of aspects of organization that we have to have, but we try to not let them interfere with uh, an aspect of speed and uh, of uh, immediacy. You know, if someone contacts us and if our schedule is not full, you know, although that's been the case recently because we've become so popular that people are always, they, they're contacting us and wanting to show or wanting to play, you know, from all over the world and, and the United States and, and Georgia and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But previously, if we had a space and, and uh, someone on the board said, hey, I, I know these are good people, I like them, I like what they do, we would try to find a space for them, you know, even if it was like next week when right. they were going to be playing. Right. It's just become much more difficult with that. But we like to have it so that every board member is um, uh, is an owner of iDrum. And so they have, you know, as much responsibility as, say, for example, I do about it. Because, right. I mean, we do so many events, like 250 a year about, mm-hmm. you know, with about a thousand people coming in a month for all wow. sorts of different events. Uh, you know, dance and th- uh, theatrical, bare bones theatrical sorts of events. Uh, of course, a lot of music and sonic arts and performance art and visual arts and three galleries with three shows going on. So um, every event has what we call a point person. For example, you see something on our calendar for a show like tonight, and there's a person on the board that was contacted who said, uh, someone contacted iDrum and someone on the board said, I'll take care of that. And so they make sure that there are people here to work the show uh, take care of the door, beverages, and um, you know, take care of the band and things like that, and kind of recruit other board members. And that's true for all the events we do. That's the only way with this number of events. You know, if everything had to go through a sort of a centralized structure, like if everybody had to say, "Oh, let's let's talk to Robert or let's talk to Nisa, mm-hmm. who is the chairman of the board," um, you know, things would slow down considerably, right. which is not necessarily bad sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you have a typical day? Because I know as an artist and doing iDrum, like running iDrum, how does mm-hmm. that work? It's difficult sometimes. Yesterday, for example, um, I mean, I see iDrum as part of the Atlanta community, so uh, at the level that I'm trying to operate, that is to, to, to make a more fecund, uh, fertile, uh, or creative, artistic atmosphere in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, you know, public domain and iDrum and some other aspects of the Atlanta scene sort of sort of work together. For example, yesterday I did a podcast with Kay Kalos and Ben Roosevelt over at the Contemporary, right. you know. And then I had to run over here um, 
to meet with a, photo a, a, a person reviewer from the AJC, Atlanta Journal Constitution, for this show. Then I had to go back to Smyrna, where I'm living now, in order to get food to bring back for um, Flora Maria Garcia, the new head of the Metro Atlanta Culture, Arts and Culture Coalition, you know, the Bill Nygut's old organization. Um, and, uh, you know, and then now today, this morning, I was running off CDs for our CDRs from last month's improv night, where I'm the host of First Thursday Improv, and then um, I come back and meet you to talk about right. doing that. Right. <laughs> and um, there's an event tonight, uh, sort of a jazzy event, which I'd like to maybe come see, but you know, I've tried to stay uh, a little distance from as many events as I used to come to. I used to try to come to all the events right. so that if someone didn't show up to work the door, I'd be here. But for one thing, I'm in Smyrna, and for another thing, it's a good way to get burnt out, so I'm trying to intentionally kind of keep myself a little bit distance from it. And, you know, I, I mean, people can rely on you to the point of saying, well, you know, Robert will be there. He'll take care of it, you know, as it was maybe at one time. So, right. um, I mean, but mostly is I'm trying to avoid being burnt out. <laughs> also, the price of gas coming in from Smyrna. Tomorrow uh, is um, is Wednesday, so um, uh, I'll be finishing up the uh, CDs for Thursday night, which is coming up this coming Thursday, mm -hmm. so it's got to be ready f for that. And then um, each of the board members, we just had our board meeting this, this past Sunday, um, and each board member has to uh, participate in a committee and to work at least two shows. Although we've had so many shows recently, we've requested that each board member work four shows, which means that for any event, we've got it usually had to have three people, either two or three people. One person um, to work the sound, one person to work the door, one person to work the beverages. And if it's a really big show, another person to work a, a membership table. And if it's a really big show, another person to kind of walk around and make sure that people aren't, uh, you know, doing bad things. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it varies, um, um, you know, from day to day, from week to week, as to, you know, depending on what's going on. And uh, this show coming up uh, last week, for example, I spent a couple of days with Susan Sipsick painting the walls and then helping install the show. Uh, a couple of days before the show um, and two weeks before that I was in Birmingham for a Warhol initiative for um, people who had gotten Warhol money which is iDrum was one of them right. Warhol I mean uh, iDrum Gallery 111 in Birmingham Ruby Green in Nashville and um, the Coleman Center in York Alabama about collaboration and audience development so that was a two and a half day thing right. So, you know, it's kind of like that. That's, <laughs> right. that's an atypical, typical week, you know, right. or a couple of weeks, period, right there. Right. So. Okay. Do you, what do you like about working with iDrum and being the executive director, and what do you not like, and what kind of problems do you face, and how do you deal with that? Uh, I, you know, really, of course, I'm prejudiced here, but I think iDrum uh, is is the best all-around arts organization in town. That's the reason why I'm, I'm a part of it. Everybody's very passionate about their involvement with it. Uh, we do, you know, uh, we do 
uh, stuff that nobody else in town will do as regards performance art. Um, a lot of, you know, really out jazz or laptop stuff or um, musical things. Uh, we're always open if people want to try something new, uh, this sort of non-traditional gallery situation. Um, so I think that, you know, all those things together, if, if, if I wasn't working at iDrum, I would probably be coming to iDrum. And in fact, that's how we used to get board members, if people just hung around all the time. Right. You know, say, well, okay, you're here all the time anyway. Why don't you just become a board member, you know, and then help us out and do things you want to do anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're very uh, careful with the board members when people come on, on we tell them that they are their shareholder, basically, in the iDrum ethos and the iDrum um, vision about what constitutes uh, the, the functioning uh, of an art organization, you know, that is as non-hierarchical as possible and still make it possible for things to, to function in some efficient uh, manner. So you got to have a, you know, there's got to be some kind of uh, trade-off between complete chaos and complete, you know, crystallization where nothing moves, as we know bureaucracies tend to go to the, the crystallization area. Um, so, you know, you know, I just think iDrum does just the most interesting programming in town. That's the reason why I'm involved with it. And it's always a room for me. I always see new people coming in all the time. And uh, there's always the possibility of expanding into areas that we know nothing about yet, you know. So there's kind of a frontier kind of mentality with it. Um, the hard part about it is that... Um, we can, it can get very chaotic. You have 20 people who are strong personalities and have their own ideas about the way things should work. And, uh, you know, we do so many events, it's kind of hard to corral some of the events and get sufficient people, you know, to work some events. And um, I, I would, I wish sometimes that we had ways to, to protect, uh, uh, you know the visual arts sometimes sometimes we have some pretty raucous shows and people come in and that's one of the great things about our drum is we have both the performance and the visual arts but uh, it can be uh, it can be rough sometimes right. you know um, um, I'm on the board of directors at um, Athica oh yes Athica right yeah I've been up there mm -hmm. yeah I like um, that space yeah. so I can kind of you know what I'm talking about the, right, yeah right. Mm -hmm. In fact, Ruby Green, uh, which is the gallery in Nashville that I was talking about, uh, had sort of done st modeled themselves a little bit after iDrum, I understand, and uh, with the music and the visual arts, and they finally had to stop the music because they had a lot of vandalism that was happening during shows. So we have, uh, you know, not nearly as much of that as you would think, given um, the size of the crowds and the types of shows we do. So you know, we're pretty blessed in that regard. Yeah. What advice would you have for uh, a nonprofit that's kind of young that is trying to, as a leader or, or someone who's trying to, you know, shape a nonprofit arts organization? Mm -hmm. Do you have any specific advice so you don't well, get burned out because you try to throw yourself into it to make it successful? Yeah, you know, people come ask about iDrum all the time. I remember several times standing out front. Uh, one guy, at the time a guy from Boston came up to me, it was, I think it was after a music show or maybe it was a large opening, art opening, and he said, wow, this is really, this space is great, but how can I, how can I do this? And I said, where are you from? He, he said, Boston. I said, why? You don't have anything like this in Boston? You know, I was like really surprised. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, no, not really. And uh, I thought, you know, about what to tell him how to proceed. And it's kind of hard, you know, because it's a thing of the moment. Right. People who have, who have been there to make it work uh, the right place, the right time kind of thing, at least for eye drum. Right. But I think, uh, generally speaking, I would say it's, you know, don't be afraid and sort of follow your passion about what it is that you... Uh, want to do because if you if you're doing something because you think you should be doing it you know first chance you get you're not going to be doing it right. uh, so that's number one and then try to find some way to have some sources of funding that are um, that you're comfortable with right. uh, you know the money situation now has become especially in Atlanta I don't know about other places but it's a it's a it's a hyper developmental town as you probably know so a lot of the spaces are disappearing uh, reasonable spaces so if you're trying to have a space the thing would be to you know uh, maintain expenses as low as possible and to make contact with people outside Atlanta as much as possible also because there's a lot of great artists and a lot of things going on in Atlanta but I think you got to have a mix of all those factors you know outside and inside um, do y'all get government funding in are you worried about censorship in that? Um, well, no. We've had some pretty wild shows. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we get some money from um, uh, Bureau of Cultural Affairs, although I should have probably separated that talking about the wild shows from the money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we know we get a little bit of money from the Bureau of Cultural Affairs and from um, Fulton County. And we did get a large grant from the Warhol Foundation. We had asked for $80,000 and they gave us 30000 People, uh, in fact, I was talking to the woman, Chris Camel, from um, the Ruby Green uh, Gallery in Nashville, and she says, yeah, do you use that Warhol money to, to like, uh, uh, pay anybody on the staff or to, so we have our, our music guys up there before I had to fire them, said, yeah, why can't you be like Idrum? They got all this money from Warhol and they bought all this equipment. Which was not the case, you know. All the Warhol money goes purely for the shows, for for printing up, uh, the, you know, the pamphlets for the shows or the flyers or mailing stuff out or paying a curator a little bit. So Idrom doesn't receive any of that money. Basically, we didn't even we were so stupid we didn't even build in twenty percent, which we understood we could afterwards for administrative costs, you know. So every bit of the money goes to the artist, basically. So we get a little bit, and then. Uh, we uh, a foundation in Texas. We did a couple of years ago. We we uh, did a show called The Mechanized Idea. I think was the name of it, curated by Richard Guest, who was on the board and is no longer. And we had gotten a five thousand dollar grant to do a catalog. So occasionally, you know, uh, the Buddy uh, the Buddy Taub Foundation in Los Angeles just out of the blue sent us a check for I, what was it twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars? I can't remember. Never even heard of the place. Mm -hmm. You know, from L A. Still don't know how we got it, you know? And so sometimes things will happen right when we're on the edge of a month, you know, when we're really kind of like, oh my God, are we going to be able to make the rent this month? Because uh, our, our our rent and utility expenses amount to around $4,000, you know, any given month, you know, right around that. So um, it takes a lot of scrambling sometimes to, to make ends meet. It used to be that over at the old space, um, the board members uh, were required to pay some money every month in order to pay the rent uh, in case, you know, right. little receipts didn't make enough. But since we've moved here in 2001, we've been able to avoid that. We've been able to be, you know, 
have it kind of pay for itself. We're not able to set any money aside for, you know, in case the building goes up, uh, turns into a 20-story condo development, you know, or whatever. So uh, that's another worry that's a real problem is not having any capital set aside, and not, you know. Right. Well, you know, just a little addendum on that, a lot of sources of government funding have sort of dried up. So we've tried not to be too, I think one problem is that an organization will become so dependent on funding okay. sources like that, government funding sources, and then when that happens, it dries up, it goes through a cultural warfare kind of thing, then, you know, you're up the creek without a paddle. Um, so uh, we we've always tried to think, well, what if we didn't have any of this money coming in? And it doesn't amount to much. Like, for example, Fulton County uh, or the Bureau of Culture Affairs, $5,000, let's say, and they give it to you in two increments over, sometimes stretched over a six-month period, you know. I mean, it helps for any particular month, but still, no. you know, we have to do benefits and things like that anyway, even yeah. with that. So. Yeah. 